0: Welcome to the ASCD Connect podcast, supporting you on your journey as a life-changing educator.
1: Here's your host for today's program.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Rabora, the Chief Content Officer for ASCD ISTE. Two things will determine your success as a school or district leader. How well you use your time and how well you know yourself. So writes P.J. Kaposi in the October 2023 issue of Educational Leadership, Kaposi is the current Illinois superintendent of the year and the author of numerous books on effective leadership. We're talking to him today on a subject he is passionate about and that poses significant challenges for many school leaders, the critical and nuanced art of time management. Welcome, PJ. It's great to get a chance to talk to you again. Thrilled to be here, Anthony. Thank you. So what would you say is the biggest misconception or challenge school leaders have, especially new school leaders, with respect to time management?
1: I think the, the biggest misconception is that they have to do it all. And it's I think that the really difficult part about being a school leader is you can't start filtering what is absolutely essential from what is not necessarily essential. And at the outset, it just feels like a waterfall kind of washing over you of all of the things that need to be done. And I think for a new school leader, it becomes really hard to understand exactly what is necessary. What is absolutely going to drive performance versus what is just something that either somebody else can do or is just a task that is not going to um, yield results? And as a result, they end up doing absolutely everything and get so busy and so tired that they don't have the mental capacity or the bandwidth to go back and then reflect to figure out what is actually producing the results versus what is just something that is getting checked off of a checklist and might feel good because you have a mini accomplishment throughout the day.
0: So you write in your article that great leaders are constantly expanding their self-awareness. What does that have to do with time management? So for people, as
1: they are trying to figure out how to best use their time, the first thing they have to do is diagnose exactly how they are choosing to spend their time. I use the word choice very explicitly. There's very little in life and there's very little in our jobs that we absolutely have to do. The majority of things that we do, we get to do or we choose to do. And the example that I like to use with that is is pretty simple, is that the job description of a principal, assistant principal, assistant superintendent, superintendent, whatever title you want to give is pretty universal. But when you look at how people in the same position in relatively similar schools operate, they are absolutely completely different. And so part of our work is to try to figure out why is it that we're choosing to do the things that we are doing. Are they the most effective things that we could be doing? Or are we just defaulting to them? And unless we grow in our self-awareness and why we are making those decisions, then anything we do is just going to be a temporary solution. So with that increase in self-awareness and that understanding of how we're predisposed to act, it gives us the ability to then make course corrections that may actually serve us in the long run. Anything else we do, and the reason I'm so passionate about time management is that almost everything you read is like a tip or a hack. And I just equate that to like going on a diet, right? Like every mm-hmm. diet works. You just have to execute it. The reason the people that are really fit and healthy over time aren't going on diets, it just becomes a lifestyle because they understand why they're doing it. So for us, same thing is true with time management. If we don't have self-awareness as to how we continue to potentially self-sabotage ourselves, no matter what tip or hack we have for time management isn't going to
0: last very long. Right. And so you emphasize uh, that it's important for leaders to identify and prioritize the actions that will have the greatest impact on the school or district's outcomes. But so how do you go about that? How can they determine what they need to focus on most when there are so many things coming at them every day?
1: So the key is that so many things are going to continue to come at you every day. And when I actually got much better at time management, this started to make sense was, and we talked a little bit about this before we went on air, is the fact that I'm out of the district speaking and consulting all the time. When that happened, I learned very quickly in my limited time that I had in district, I had to make it as valuable as possible. And so the only way that we can start to truly deeply understand what is valuable is to, to start to eliminate some of the things that might be frivolous. And so one of the things that I advocate for, which is fairly controversial, is I'm a closed door policy guy. I'm not an open door policy because the opportunity to control our time is the most valuable asset we have. So when I go in and shadow principals or I coach principals, do you know how many times a day somebody comes in and says, can I just have five minutes? It happens time and time and time again. And it's never just five minutes. And so what happens is by the end of the day, somebody else or lots of somebody else's have dictated our school leader's schedule as opposed to their priorities dictating their schedule. And so for me, there is nothing greater that I can do as a superintendent than to grow the leadership skills and capacity of those that I get the privilege of serving. So when I am in district, I am focused almost intense, like almost entirely and incredibly intensely on how I can grow other leaders. And nothing will distract me from that purpose. That is the primary purpose of why I am here. And so when I am driven with that level of intensity and purpose, then it allows me to stay very much on task and very focused throughout the day. When people do not have the awareness to understand what their mission, what their purpose, what their why, whatever vernacular we want to use, if we do not have that calling within us, then we get distracted by everything. But when we are on a mission, like when we are given an arbitrary deadline, we always meet it. So why don't we give ourselves that arbitrary deadline and have that sense of purpose to go out and get done what we have to get done?
0: And there's a great phrase in your article uh, where you say that leaders often defer to the tyranny of the urgent, um, which I think is what you're saying is, you know, you need to step away to kind of address that. So you've been a successful school leader for many years now. At what point did you become really passionate about time management and really begin to focus on that? And see it as critical to your growth.
1: Well, there's some inside baseball, I guess, story to to how I got really focused on time management. And a lot of it has to do with ASCD. So this isn't an intended oh. to be a commercial because we didn't prospect this. But I wrote a book that I was really passionate about and I sent it to ASCD. And I have done a lot of work with them and I had gotten recognized by them in a, a few different capacities. And I just got kind of the form rejection letter. And I was like, oh, okay, I, they just didn't like that book. And another publisher picked it up and it was successful. But about three months later, I got a call from the editor and said, hey, we really liked that book. It just wasn't a top. It's a topic we had decided internally we're not touching for a couple of years. I'm like, uh-huh. hey, have you ever thought about writing about time management? And that is how I got involved in time management. It was, uh, And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll write on time management. And I jumped in. And it fits a lot with kind of the ethos of my life. Um, in a way, uh, at 17, I was diagnosed with cancer. And I fought cancer two other times in, in my life. And so I live kind of on fast forward and at a thousand miles per hour. So by default, I've been kind of obsessed with the maximization of time, but I never thought about breaking it down into tips and techniques and why and how I feel that way. And so it started with that simple phone call from ASCD. Hey, have you ever thought about writing about this? And wrote the book for ASCD. And now I love the book and I believe in it very deeply, but if I were to write another book, it'd be completely different because it's become a topic that I've become obsessed with. So I've always found when I've written a book, it goes in one of two directions. I'm done with the book. I don't want to think about that topic again for like three years, right? Like I've gotten so deep into it. Same thing with a dissertation. And then Mm -hmm. there's the other side where you get into it and you write the book and you're like, oh my gosh, I would write another book right now on the same topic because I want to get deeper and deeper and deeper. That's just where I've been with time management. I've become hyper-focused on the psychology, the neuroscience, and the sociology behind time management because I think there's a really interesting Venn diagram intersection of it. And so it's been a topic that I don't think I've really stopped thinking about now for like
0: seven or eight years. I did not know that story. That's really interesting to learn about ASCD's role in that. So, when you work with other leaders, you mentioned you're doing some coaching and a lot of training. Are there some ways you can tell when someone has a good handle on time management? Like, are there signs you look for that indicate this?
1: Overall, when I know somebody's really starting to get it with time management, is when they start to talk about self sabotaging, like how they continue to get in their own way and then trying to process through what that is. And that to me, again, goes back to the self awareness. So, if we start to understand the things that we're doing, that are getting in our own way, then we have an opportunity to start to get through them. So the example I use, like when I talk and give a speech, one of the first like turn and talks I give is like, all right, two minutes, quickly talk about one thing you wish you did less each week, one thing you wish you spent less time on and give me one thing you wish you spent more time on. And so the conversation is always very lively and it's fruitful. And then I always always say, okay, good, problem solved right? Like I can just be done now, right? Like we already know the answer to time management often. It's just about figuring out why we continue to make the same mistakes and why we continue to self-sabotage. So when somebody is open and aware enough to start to understand how they self-sabotage, then we can
0: start to make really good progress. So as you know, there's been a great deal of turnover in school and district leadership in the past couple of years. Do you have any specific advice for leaders who are just starting out in new positions and they're doing so amidst a lot of really difficult systemic challenges right now?
1: So for me, it it comes down to passion. And not to say that the people that left the profession or have been turned over did not have passion. I think it's just that they kind of forgot where they were at in terms of of what motivates them. Transparently, there was a moment kind of mid-pandemic where I got an incredible job offer that I never expected, that I almost left education. And the reason I almost left was because at that time, I was incredibly burnt out. And I wanted nothing more than to be anonymous. I wanted to go to the store. Nobody need to talk to me. And in that moment, I think I gained a ton of empathy for people that had felt burnt out in the past. So I started to work really hard on figuring out how I can bring the joy and the passion back to the job and for me it came down to a handful of things. One is was I able to seek joy out on the daily basis? Did I know what brought me happiness? Why I wanted to be an educator and could I cultivate that on a daily basis? And I think that we all have that opportunity if we're thoughtful and intentional about that. I started practicing a lot more gratitude and started to think about the opportunity that I have every single day the opportunity that as a school leader, I get the opportunity to change the trajectory of not only kids' lives, but adults' lives and how like incredible that is when we think about that. And then the last thing for me was I just took ownership. I just took ownership of my mood. I took ownership of how I felt. And when I started to do those three things, for me, everything turned around in terms of finding my love and moving from being burnt out to moving to be fired up and excited about coming to work. And so when I talk to new leaders, that's the three things that I always kind of want to emphasize is like, can we seek joy? Can we find the opportunity to be grateful for what we're doing? And can we take ownership of our moods and figure out ways to move forward, even when we're having a rough day? And we
0: can do so, I think, by claiming those three things. Oh, that's awesome. Really great advice. And we're glad you didn't leave education. So thanks so much, PJ, for sharing your time uh, and your ideas and your expertise. And thanks to all our listeners read P.J. Kaposi's article in the October 2023 issue of Educational Leadership, go to www.ascd.org slash EL. Thanks, everybody.